welcome to Menopause in the Kitchen, where we talk all things food and nutrition for women in their midlife years. I'm Rachel Cooper, dietitian and food lover, with a passion for sharing information about nutrition in practical ways, so that you can take what you need and implement it into your lifestyle. Join me in my kitchen as I share bite-sized chunks of information to help you nourish your body and thrive in your midlife years and beyond. Welcome back to Menopause in the Kitchen. I'm Rachel Cooper and very excited to be back for another episode. Um, And today's episode I think will be one that many people will be interested in and um, something that's, I guess, very uh, prominent in you know the nutrition circles um, on social media and and so on. So um, I think that a lot of people will get something out of today's um, episode. So today's episode is going to be about protein, and I think you'd be hiding under a rock if uh, you. <laughs> hadn't heard protein being mentioned um, in terms of nutrition, food and eating um, because it's pretty much everywhere, whether you go to the supermarket, whether you're on social media, whether you're reading magazines or, you know, um, following along um, in the news or whatever it might be, you've definitely heard about protein. And there are just so many products and things out there that are high protein this, high protein that, Um, And that's really what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about protein in general, what it is, why we need it, um, and have a look at what all the hype is around protein and whether we need to be buying all those fancy products or should we just be, you know, concentrating on eating regular foods and will that give us um, enough to meet our requirements. So that's what I'm going to talk about and in particular talk about the needs for um, menopausal women and and perimenopausal women So um, because there is a a bit of a change in our need for protein as we go through that transition and um, so I'll talk more specifically about that and, and why and what we need to concern ourselves with when it comes to to protein. So let's dive in and start with some basics. Let's talk about what protein actually is and why we even need it. So protein is obviously a nutrient that our body does need and a lot of our body is made up of protein. Um, And basically protein is made up of a whole heap of amino acids. So amino acids are all joined together in different combinations to make different proteins. And the amino acids um, are what we, our body requires to build and repair muscle um, and also bone. And it also does other things like it makes hormones and enzymes and, and so on. It has a, and proteins and amino acids have a range of different um, functions in the body. But I guess the one that we're, that we most know about and hear about is its effect on, on muscle and muscle mass. Okay. So the other thing is, I guess, protein can be used as an energy source. Um, so it's not the body's preferred energy source. Um, the body's preferred energy source is actually carbohydrates, but it can be used um, as an energy source if there isn't enough of other other things like carbohydrates for the body to use. So if, if needed, the body can convert it into, into energy. 
So if we think about amino acids, um, some of them can actually be made by our body. So we don't necessarily need to have them from, from our food. But about nine of the amino acids are considered essential amino acids. So it means that our body can't make these amino acids and we need to get it from our food. And so I guess that's one of the reasons why it's really important that we are eating enough protein and having a wide variety so that we get those essential amino acids for our body to function properly. So where do we get these amino acids from? What foods are high in protein and what um, amino acids are found in, in different foods? So we all know, I guess, that animal products are very high in protein. So meat and poultry, fish, eggs, dairy, anything that comes from an animal is generally high in protein. And these, prote these proteins also have all of the essential amino acids that our body needs. So if you are eating meat or fish or chicken or other poultry um, or animal products like eggs and dairy, you and you're eating those sorts of foods regularly, you will be getting all the essential amino acids that your body needs. If, however, you're vegan and you're not having, say, dairy and eggs, there are some other ways to get the amino acids that your body needs. So things like soy products, quinoa and amaranth, which is like a, amaranth is like a leafy green, but I think you can also get a green from it. Um, and these have all the essential amino acids that our body needs as well. So if you're vegan, that's an option for having these foods regularly um, to meet those needs. However, there are other plant proteins as well, um, things like uh, legumes, so all your beans and lentils and chickpeas and so on, nuts and also whole grains have protein as well. Many of these lack at least um, one of the essential amino acids. So if if you're not having um, meat or meat products uh, or animal products, sorry, um, or the soy, quinoa or amaranth, um, the plant proteins, you can still get all the amino acids you need. You just need to eat a nice variety of those foods. So... Um, the foods don't lack the same amino acids, so the diff different different plant protein foods um, will lack different amino acids. So provided you have a good variety of those, that's really all you need and you'll still get all the essential amino acids that you need. So unless you're on a very restricted diet or really not eating much at all, most people are going to be getting those essential amino acids and having you know, the protein that their body needs um, to function properly. So let's now talk about how much protein we need because I think this is where it can get confusing. And if you think about all of the push for protein products out there in the media and in the supermarkets and, and so on, you would think that you must need a lot of protein because everything seems to have protein in it these days. And, you know, there's a lot of advertising for, you know, this protein bar has 25 grams of protein per bar. Um, so you would, it, it would be totally understandable if you thought that we needed heaps of protein because that seems to be <laughs> um, what it sounds like. However, we don't need a huge amount. 
Um, the thing is, though, once we do reach menopause, our protein requirements do increase a little bit. Not, not huge amounts. We're still not talking about massive amounts of protein, but it does increase um, once we reach menopause. So for a premenopausal woman, um, the requirements are around 0.8 to 1 gram of protein per kilogram of body weight per day. Now, I'm not telling you these numbers so that you can go and calculate, go and weigh yourself and then calculate how much protein you need and then go and start, you know, checking the protein content of all the foods you're eating to see if you're meeting um, your requirements. There is no need to do that because I can guarantee that the majority of people will be meeting their protein requirements. In fact, when the when um, um, here in Australia, for example, they do a, a nutrition survey, a national nutrition survey, and they have found that I think it's about 99% of people meet their protein requirements well and truly. So there's really no need to go and calculate that. It's highly likely that you are meeting those requirements, okay? Um, but if once you reach menopause and then that postmenopausal phase, the requirements do increase. So it increases to about one to one and a half grams of protein per kilogram of body weight per day. So I'm only saying those numbers just to show you that there is a slight increase in our needs as we reach menopause. But again, it's really easy to meet those requirements through regular foods. And I'll talk about that in a moment and, and how you can actually do that. Um, but it's really, really what I'm just trying to point out is there is a slight increase in our need for protein once we once we reach menopause. Um, so the reason being is when we reach about 50 years of age, which tends to coincide roughly about the time that we reach menopause, I think the average age of menopause is 52. So you know, it's around about that time. We tend to lose skeletal muscle mass. So when I say skeletal muscle mass, that's the muscles around, you know, your bones that helps your body move. So it's not things like there are other um, muscles in our body. For example, our heart is all muscle. Um, so I'm not talking about that kind of muscle. We're talking about, I guess, the, the muscle that's attached to our bones, which is why we call it skeletal muscle mass. And so we can start to reduce and lose our muscle mass from about 50 years of age. And um, we can be at higher risk of a, a thing called sarcopenia, which means, you know, when your muscles start to waste away. There is also some evidence that um, a decrease in estrogen, which again tends to happen around this time, um, can also reduce skeletal muscle mass. Um, they don't know why exactly or how that happens, but um, they do know that women who have estrogen, um, you know, in the form of like menopausal hormone therapy, for example, tend to have a lower risk of, you know, a loss of skeletal muscle mass and sarcopenia. So we know that the, the hormones have some kind of an effect there. So I say all that not to scare you, to think that, oh, my gosh, once I get to, you know, that age, all my muscles are going to start wasting away. That's, you know, there, there are certainly lots of things that you could do to prevent that. And just knowing that, um, you know, ensuring you are having enough protein when you get to this age and also using your muscles through, through exercise and movement will certainly um, help to reduce 
that loss. The other thing that research has shown is that um, to prevent this skeletal muscle mass, that um, if we spread our protein intake over the day, that seems to be better than having a whole lot of protein just, you know, in one meal or one part of the day. So that's another thing just to keep in mind, and I will talk more about the practical aspects of this um, in a moment, but, you know, spreading your protein out over the day. So having um, some kind of protein source at each meal, for example, and maybe some of your snacks is really going to be all you need to do. Um, No need to calculate or do anything like that because I can guarantee you, you know, if you're doing this, you will, um, for most people, will get enough protein that you need. So... How do we get enough protein? Um, And what's all the fuss about protein in, in, you know, um, in advertising and in social media and and so on and in the nutrition world? I I, I need to sort of, I think if we step back, let's let's sort of step back from the the science of, of protein and what it does in the body. And step back and look at what is going on in the world where protein is this big buzzword. And really what it comes down to is it is a marketing ploy to make money. Um, Because, and and I'm going to come back to diet culture, it's diet culture that's actually fueling, um, you know, this, this big focus on protein. Because at the moment, what is the most popular uh, diet that diet culture is kind of um, promoting? It's high protein, low carb, isn't it? So they're trying to, you know, promote, cut back the carbs, have protein. So that is what is on trend at the moment. And we know that then the food manufacturers are going to jump on those trends and go, oh, look, everyone's talking about protein. Everyone's saying high protein this, high protein that, we're now going to produce all these products that are called protein this and protein that. So really it's all about making money Um, and there's a huge amount of fuss out there about protein and you would, you know, like I said earlier, be totally understandable to think that I might, you know, I must be having needing to have heaps of protein because everyone's promoting protein in everything. But it is a marketing ploy. It's a way to make money because they know that diet culture at this point in our time, 2023, who knows how long it'll last, it'll possibly change sometime in the future, who knows, um, that that the big push is around high protein. Um, And so, of course, then, you know, that reflects what's available in our supermarket and the advertising for, for certain food products. So I guess what I'm saying is to step back and really look at where is all this coming from and why? And is this important for me? Do I really need to be eating all that protein? And generally, for most people, the answer is no. Yes, we need protein. Yes, we need a certain amount. Yes, our requirements increase slightly once we reach menopause. But we don't need massive amounts of protein to meet our requirements. So let's then talk about exercise because often protein and the exercise or fitness industry go hand in hand. So there's this idea that if you're exercising, you need to have all this protein because you're trying to build muscle or whatever it is. Um, The thing with protein and exercise do go together. So I will say that it's, 
when we're exercising, even at moderate levels, we don't have to be elite athletes or be running marathons, but even at a moderate level, when we're exercising, it is recommended to have a serve of a high quality protein and a carbohydrate. And that's often not, um, not promoted amongst the fitness industry after we exercise. Okay. And that will help to aid in recovery. Um, and even at moderate levels of exercise, we, you know, when, when we're exercising our muscles, you get little micro tears. And so we need to be able to repair those. Um, so even if we're not aiming for growing muscles and, and getting bigger muscles, we do have, when we're exercising, we do have these micro tears and um, little injuries to our muscles that need to be repaired. And so the recommendations are that after exercise, having some kind of serve. So it might, if you're having a meal, obviously in most cases that's going to give you what you need. But if it's at a time where it's not not time for a meal after you've exercised, a snack that has a high quality protein and some carbohydrate will help your body to recover from that exercise and help to maintain that protein balance. So there is some evidence that yes, we do need some protein when we um, when we exercise, but we don't need the massive amounts that uh, everyone keeps telling us that we need to have, okay? The other thing we need to be really aware of, and I, you, may, uh, you might have heard when I said to have a server high-quality protein and carbohydrates, so something with carbohydrate as well. The reason for this is because if we actually are not having enough energy from our food, so if we're not feeding our body enough energy, that protein is going to be used for energy. It's not actually going to be used for repairing um, muscle, um, repairing muscle damage um, or building muscle. So it, it's really important that we're eating um, a good amount of food and getting the right amount of energy so that that protein can be used for what it needs to be used for. And if we're on a very restrictive diet, and we're eating all this protein, some of that protein is actually going to go to energy. It's not actually going to be doing what you think it's doing. So which is why we say have something with protein and carbohydrate after exercise because that ensures that your body is refueling with some carbohydrate and then that protein is going to be used for what you actually wanted to do, which is recovering your muscles from you know any sort of um, injury, injuries and, and micro strains, uh, micro strains, <laughs> micro tears during um, during that exercise session. So yes, so protein is important when we're exercising, but it's not, you know, it, it's not to the extent that we're often we're often told to believe. The other thing I guess I wanted to just point out here is that very high-protein diets can actually be dangerous. They can actually do our body harm. Now, when I'm talking about very high-protein diets, I'm talking about, you know, people who might be having two to 400 grams of protein a day, um, which is, you know, can be four or five times the amount that of the average person actually needs. Um, having large amounts of protein to that extent can put strain on your kidneys um, because when we eat protein and, and metabolize protein, we get um, waste products that have to be um, processed and they're processed in the, in the kidneys. 
Um, and it can also increase the loss of calcium from the body. So when we're having large amounts of protein, it can increase calcium loss, which could then lead to osteoporosis down the track. So again, I'm talking about high, high. I'm talking about sort of four or five times the amount of what we really require um, in the range of around two to 400 grams of protein a day. But I guess when you think about, you know, some of the... Um, some of the protein bars, for example, a lot of them might have up to 20 grams of protein. You know, a scoop of protein shake powder could be about 25 grams. Depending on how much of those you're having over the day, plus what you might be eating in your meals, you know, you could be getting up to that 200 or so um, grams of protein a day. So we do need to be careful that it's not all about the more is better. Um, too much can actually be damaging our body. All right, so let's now um, turn to the practical side of things. So I like to sort of give all the theory and the, the evidence and, and that sort of thing and then talk about, okay, well, what do I do with that information? Um, how do I ensure I'm getting enough protein? Um, and, you know, what sorts of foods could I be including um, to, to meet my, my needs? So let's have a little chat about how you could get your protein that you need over the day. And as I mentioned earlier, spreading it out over the day is really important rather than just having a whole heap of protein all at, all at once or one, one end of the day. Um, but as I mentioned, you know, things like dairy, um, if you eat dairy, is a really good um, source of protein. And, you know, the average yogurt probably has around sort of five grams or so of protein per um 100 or so grams um, and a cup of milk for example if you're having milk on cereal or in a smoothie a cup of milk has about eight grams of protein a slice of cheese has about seven grams of protein so if you're thinking about as I mentioned earlier say a protein bar um, you know those things that are usually marketed they generally have around 10 to 20 grams of protein per bar um, and a shake, you know, a, a scoop of protein powder is around 25 grams. You can see how, you know, you can quite easily still meet your protein requirements without having these um, sort of fancy um, and expensive often um, extra sort of supplements and powders and bars and so on. We can, we can certainly get the amount of protein that we need from, from just everyday food. Um, things like nuts, so, you know, a quarter of a cup of, um, you know, nuts gives you roughly around, say, five grams. Some are a little higher, some are a little lower, depending um, on the type of, um, of nuts. An egg has about six grams of protein. So if you had a couple of eggs for breakfast, for example, that's there's a good 12 grams um, just there. Um, and then, as I mentioned earlier, um, things like meat poultry, fish um, are all very high in protein. And in fact, if you are including um, meat or, or poultry or fish in your diet, it's very easy to meet your protein requirements because a very small portion of chicken, for example, only about 85 grams, which is quite a small portion, a lot of people would probably eat more than that, has 28 grams of protein. Um, and similarly, you know, with a piece of steak or, or red meat, it's probably, you know, um, you know, around 25, 26 grams of protein for the same amount, only a very small portion. Um, 85 grams of tuna or salmon, which is generally one of those sort of small tins, 
has about 22 grams of protein. So if you're eating um, meat products and fish um, and you're having them regularly throughout the day, they are very high in protein, very easily going to meet your requirements. Now, of course, if you're not um, eating meat, there are other options. I mentioned the nuts um, earlier, but uh, things like uh, kidney beans, for example, about half a cup would have eight grams of protein. Similarly with lentils, quinoa for half a cup, about four grams of protein. And as I mentioned before, quinoa has all of your essential amino acids. Um, and half a cup of quinoa probably isn't a lot. So if you were having a quinoa salad or something like that, you probably have twice that amount. And about 100 grams of tofu, if you're eating tofu, has 8 grams. So the, the plant proteins are not as high in protein as your, your meat and, and poultry and, and, um, and fish. But certainly if you're having these feeds regularly um, and then also maybe supplementing with, um, you know, if you don't have dairy, you know, with a plant-based um, milk um, or yogurts um, and that sort of thing, you, you certainly can still meet them. It's a little harder, but you certainly it certainly can be done. The other thing I would recommend is if you are concerned about you know, particularly if you're vegan or if you have any medical conditions or any different circumstances that might affect the amount of protein that you need, um, it would be good to get some individual advice from a dietitian to just make sure that you are um, meeting your requirements. But for most people who um, are relatively healthy and don't have sort of chronic diseases or have um, other circumstances that might change the amount of protein that they need or who are not vegan, most people are quite easily going to meet their requirements uh, if you include these foods regularly. So my recommendations as a bit of a closing and, you know, a, a bit of a where to from here would be to include a protein source at each of your meals um, and make sure that you're, you know, have your meals that are sort of balanced. So you've got a bit of protein, you've got a bit of carbs, so grains, um, rice or pasta or some sort of grain um, or maybe some potato and then, you know, fruit and veg. So sort of balance out your plate with a variety of those different um, components um, without sort of having to go overboard with protein. Just include a serve with your meal and that's that, that's likely to be enough for you um, at each meal. And then, you know, maybe some of your snacks to include some protein. So I like to use a gentle nutrition approach. So for those of you who haven't sort of followed me on social media or listened to my other podcast episodes, I use a gentle nutrition approach, which means that I sort of um, – use intuitive eating as a, a basis for choosing what you want to eat. So say you're having a snack, for example, and you're thinking, okay, I really feel like um, I really feel like some some yogurt for a snack today. That's that's sort of what I'm feeling like. Um, but then uh, or, 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 then then you might sort of say, okay, well what could I add to that to increase the nutrition. So I really feel like yogurt. I'm going to have yogurt. Maybe I'll add some fruit into that or some nuts or something like that to balance that out um, and get a good variety of foods in. Um, you know, if you're doing that at each meal and snack over the day, you're going to be having a, a nice variety of different foods that obviously are going to help give you your nutrients that you need. 
um, improve your gut health and all of those sorts of things. So it's about being intuitive about what do you actually feel like um, and what, what, what sort of food do you want to eat and then incorporating a bit of gentle nutrition and thinking, is that going to sustain me? Is that, you know, can I add something to that just to really kind of round that meal or snack out? So another example might be, say you're having lunch and it's really cold and it's wintering like it is today here. Um, you might think, oh, I've got pumpkin soup there in the fridge. I'd love some pumpkin soup for lunch. So you you can go and have that pumpkin soup. But if if you stop and think, is that going to be sustainable, a, a bowl of pumpkin soup? Is that going to be enough? Or could I add, um, you know, a, a piece of a, a toast with grilled cheese on top or something like that? Would that just make that a little bit more substantial and really make me feel um, satisfied physically after I've had it? So they're the sorts of things. So you start with your intuition and what is it you feel like and then you think about what what could I add to really round that meal out um, and give me the nutrition that I need but also um, to keep me satisfied afterwards. And if you're not sure, it's all trial and error. (laughs) There's no wrong or right. Um, And if you do that and then think, oh, actually, that was a bit too much, I probably should have just had, um, you know, the the pumpkin soup, that's okay. You know, you learn from that, you learn from your experience. If you're not sure, you might have the pumpkin soup and then wait and see and think, was that enough for me or do I need something else um, to add to it? So some ideas for meals that um, are going to help you get some protein in. So breakfast, um, obviously eggs for breakfast, if you have the time to to make that, um, is is a wonderful source of protein. But also things like nut spreads, peanut butter, and there's all sorts of different nut spreads out there now, depending on what what you like. Um, Nuts, so you can add some nuts to your cereal um, or uh, yogurt or smoothies and things like that. You can have some milk um, at breakfast. Um, So, you know, obviously putting it on your cereal or your oats uh, in smoothies. Um, And again, yogurt. Yogurt can be added to your cereal. You could have it with some fruit and nuts, or you could add it to your smoothie. So lots of different options there for um, protein at breakfast. And then at lunch, um, you know, things like tuna and salmon, great to go in sandwiches and wraps and salads and so on. Uh, Eggs again, so a boiled egg that you could add um, to a salad or a sandwich. Baked beans, um, so baked beans on toast or a tin of baked beans to have with whatever it is that you're having. Um, soup is wonderful um, in winter. Um, you know, could be in summer too, but uh, for me, I, I love it in winter. So adding lots of lentils and beans and chickpeas into your soup. Um, if there's leftover meat or chicken, that's a great way to get some protein in at lunchtime. So if you've got leftover meatballs or some leftover roast chicken, you can incorporate that into your lunch the next day to add some protein. Tofu is another option. Um, you know, if you're having like you know, uh, noodles or, or something like that, you could add some, add some tofu to it or quinoa, as I mentioned earlier. Um, for dinner, obviously, if you're eating meat, poultry or fish and having a serve of that with um, your evening meal, that's going to be a great way to um, add some um, protein. But, of course, eggs can be eaten at dinner time too, added to things or made into a, a quiche or frittata. 
um, and legumes, so adding those lentils and beans and chickpeas and so on to, um, you know, different dishes that you're making. And then with your snacks, and as I mentioned, you know, not all your snacks have to contain protein, but if some of them do, you're certainly then going to be um, meeting your requirements. Um, things like yogurt and nuts, nut spreads on, um, you know, grainy crackers or on rice cakes or something like that. Um, a smoothie, um, tuna on crackers um, or cheese. Um, you know, one of the things that I love to do is have like a little plate snack. So I have a little bit of cheese and some little, some crackers and some fruit or some veggies and sort of have a nice mix of different things. That's just what I really enjoy. Um, but that's just, that's an option if that's something that sounds good to you. Um, or boiled egg, like if you've got some boiled eggs in the in the fridge, you can slice them up and put them on some crackers or on some rice cakes or just have them as they are if you really like them like that um, or mash them up and put them on something. Um, so it's it, as you can see, it's really quite easy to um, incorporate protein foods into all of your meals and into your snacks um, without the need for um, expensive powders and bars and so on. So they in most cases there really isn't any need to have those extra sources of protein. Um, now I of course will just um, finish off by saying that the recommendations and the information that I've provided is for the general you know, population, of course, there will be certain people who whose requirements will be different. And as I mentioned earlier, if that might apply to you, so if you have some, you know, medical issues where your protein requirements might be different, um, or if you're, you know, got other circumstances, um, you know, maybe, maybe you're really, really active and training for marathons and things like that, then, you know, again, your your requirements might be a little different. But for the average person um, who's, you know, relatively healthy and um, not doing extreme amounts of exercise, you know, the, the recommendations that I've given today should be, um, you know, should be fine for, for, for you. As of course, if you're unsure or you need some extra information and you want to have a more individualised approach, um, I would recommend seeing a dietitian to go over your personal circumstances and um, see whether you, know, you might need some tweaks to, in, to ensure that you're getting the right amount of protein for you. But for the majority of people, um, you're most likely already having enough protein. But just be aware that once we reach menopause, we just really need to make sure that we are having good sources of protein at our meals and some of our snacks um, to ensure that we are meeting those increased requirements and keep our muscles nice and um, strong as we get into older age. So that's all for today's episode. I hope that you found that interesting. If you have any questions or any comments, feel free to send me a DM over on social media. Um, the links will be in the show notes um, or my email. So you can send me um, an email address, uh, an email to my email address and, yeah, let me know what, um, what you think. Of course, I can't give out personalised advice, only general advice because I don't know, you know, all of the, the details of your um, background and, and needs but um, if you have any sort of general questions that you'd like to ask please feel free to reach out. 
All right, so I'm going to end this episode there. Um, I hope that has been informative and I can't wait to be back in your ears um, very soon. My life has been uh, a little bit busy lately, so these episodes are getting a little bit further apart, but I am determined to keep um, recording and releasing episodes. So if they're a little bit less frequent than before, um, just over the next sort of four or five months, um, I've got a bit on my plate. So trying to fit this um, into my life has not been as easy, but I certainly will continue to put some episodes out. Um, so I hope you're enjoying them and I will talk to you all soon. Bye. Thank you.